So hello and welcome to Creativity Conversations. This is episode two. And today I am talking with Kathleen Fife, Culture Sleuth, and many other labels which she herself will explain to you. <laughs> Just to give you all a little heads up if you haven't been on this call before is that I wanted to create these conversations because I think it's really important that people know that creativity is not just for artists and that we all have creativity innate in us and it shows up in all sorts of different ways depending on who you are and what you're up to in your life. So what I'd love to do is ask Kathleen to give us a little bit of a background on who she is and what she's done in her life and then let's see where the conversation goes from here. Great, super. Hi, hi, Jean, and, and hi, Gwen, Allie. Good to see you join us. Thanks for coming. Um, so I'm Kathleen Fife, and I am currently in Saratoga Springs, New York, which is um, upstate New York, a little north of Albany. Um, Nina had asked if I would share some of my personal and professional and volunteer background, um, which has been kind of a windy road, which uh, I think is a lot of fun. And we never really know where our windy roads take us or, or why they take us the way that they do um, until often we look backwards and go, oh, well, thank goodness that happened. It's really useful right now. Mm -hmm. So in my um, academic world, I actually studied art history um, and have a, a couple degrees. My master's is in art history, connoisseurship, and history of the art market, which is a little bit unusual. But I confess that I have this art history background because it's um, a red herring, that it means that I'm this um, talented artist or amazing creative person. And, and the reality is that um, I studied art history because I really enjoyed art um, and I really enjoyed the creative process. And I tried pretty much every medium I could come up with, whether it was jewelry, ceramics, photography, painting, drawing, sculpting, um, and didn't feel particularly um, successful in any of those different mediums. Um, and so what I realized was that I really appreciated art and I appreciated finding a way to help other people talk about or see things in art. So, um, Fast forward, I, I spent some time in New York City managing a, a gallery, which was a wonderful check off the list of life to-dos that um, I was interested in doing. Um, found my way back to Saratoga Springs and uh, spent some time um, professionally working for the Saratoga County Chamber of Commerce, um, which doesn't sound very creative at all, <laughs> but the reality is that it, it really was. I found a lot of opportunity, continue to find a lot of opportunity to be creative in, in that aspect. And from the volunteer perspective, um, the creative side is really important to me and I've, I've found that I stayed connected to arts through my volunteer. So I sat on in, in a variety of roles at the um, Saratoga Arts, which is a, a local arts organization. And then, um, co-chair the preservation of the spirit of life in Congress Park, preservation of that beautiful monument to Spencer Trask. And I currently sit on the board of Universal Preservation Hall, which is an amazing uh, venue here in Saratoga Springs. It was formerly a, a Gothic style church built in 1871 that's been renovated into a 700 person uh, theater in the round that we will get back to soon to be able to see performances. So um, I guess it's, it's a, I'm creative by nature and I've, I've found that um, it, it, my, my creativeness wasn't unlocked by traditional artistic modes like sitting in an art studio. I found that my creativity was creating things and opportunities and, and ideas. And so it's, I guess to Nina's point, I wanna underline that it's not that whether or not people are creative or create or have creative tendencies, it's just finding an outlet that really works for you. So you and I have known each other two years, three years? Three years, eight lifetimes, I'm not sure which. <laughs> right. And I think one of the things that instantly drew us to each other was that spark of, um, your tagline, which is what else is possible. 
And uh, by the way, what we will do is after Kathleen and I are chatting for a little bit, we'll open it up to the people who are on the call if they have any questions or wonderings or comments and we'll do our best to answer them. But um, I love that tagline, what else is possible? Uh, and I wonder if you could just share a little bit about how that came to be your tagline and where you see that to be true. Yeah. Um, I wish I could tell you the exact moment when it came to me and when, when that was birthed. I don't remember that moment. Um, I think I've, it's just sort of kind of been ingrained that um, we are, we are wholly responsible for all of our actions. No question. Um, and therefore, if we are in a situation or we are faced with a challenge or there's something we feel we're supposed to be overcoming or solving or whatever it is, I've just always thought, okay, well, what else is possible? Because Sometimes we look at something and we, and our blinders are on like this and we see and we think we know we have to go this one direction. And I found it really liberating to be able to take a pause and simply say, okay, well, what else is possible? And it's not trying to define an answer. Sometimes I think the best thing to do is to ask another question. And so what else is possible creates space for new ideas to show up and for, um, maybe considerations that we hadn't considered before. Um, and it's, it's, it, it opens space. And I, I think that that's a really important thing for us to do. And it's actually really liberating too, because we get so caught up in our brains thinking that we're supposed to have all of the answers for everything and um, we don't. And when we think that way, it can become really, really challenging to see other opportunities because we're focused like this instead of, a brighter, bigger, what else could be a reality for us? Would you share your response to a question that was asked to you not too long ago? Is What's your response to the word but? And. It's that simple. And it's that simple and it changes everything. But stops us and and opens everything up and says what else is possible? So, but is like another word for no. Mm -hmm. Can't, shouldn't. You ever heard someone apologize? I'm really sorry about what I said, but. Right. <laughs> it totally negates the entire apology. You didn't apologize. No. <laughs> and it's also um, another word that I really like uh, is yet. Oh, I haven't done that yet. Mm. Yeah. So you're keeping open to what else is possible? What else is possible? And what do you think gets in the way of being able to even ask that question, what else is possible? Oh man, I think you can use all sorts of different words, um, barriers of, of all kinds, but I think if you really boil it down to the elemental fear, I think fear is what stops people and it might be a fear of looking silly. It might be a fear of, I'm not good enough. It might be a fear of, um, you know, I don't have the skills or you know, whatever that fear might be. But when you drill down, it's still fear. And um, it's self-imposed most of the time. That's, unless we are being attacked by a lion, this is self-imposed fear that we get to choose and it's funny, Nina, you and I were talking about this not that long ago, and I recently had a really opening um, experience that I'm really grateful for, that the interesting thing about our emotions is that they're a two-sided coin. And so the other side of fear, what it feels like, like when your hands get sweaty and you have the butterflies in your stomach and you're, you know, feeling that kind of energy going through your body, if you take the fear coin and flip it, the other side is excitement. So what if we had a feeling, we recognized that it was fear and said, oh, hello, fear. I'm going to choose to flip your coin today. And now I'm going to be excited about this. And that's, I mean, it's, I get it. It sounds simple, right? And sometimes fear becomes really, really real in our brains, but those are just thoughts and they're not real. Yeah. 
I love that because what it, what it says to me is that those labels are just arbitrary. We Completely. think that sensation feels like fear. So we label it that. And then, of course, that means danger, danger. Don't proceed. And yet, if we think of it, if we take off the label, it's just energy. And it can really propel us into whatever it is we're diving off the diving board. Exactly. Human beings fascinate me because we are the entire spectrum of gray, right? The way that we operate is so gray. And we spend so much time in our lives trying to take things and put them into little labeled black and white boxes, which is the most ludicrous thing ever because it's not how we operate. It's not how we're wired. Yeah. So if, when we can untrain ourselves or at least be, have the awareness of, oh, that's the label I just put on that. Well, what if I took that label off? What if I let that be something else? What if? What if? Yeah. yeah. Just being in that wondering of that question, what if? Not, oh, well, I can't because, or it's not possible because, or they are in my way. I'd love to go back to your point about fear because it's reminding me of something that uh, I realized not too long ago that uh, what's on the other side for me is love. And that might sound a little odd, but uh, years ago I read this fabulous book by a woman named Brenda Euland. And she was uh, a, quite a feisty woman. She taught writing in Minneapolis and she only did what she wanted to do, period, paragraph. And in this book, she tells a wonderful story about uh, Vincent van Gogh, the painter, who's uh, studying to be a, um, a clergyman. And he's in his, his tiny little apartment with his candle and his, he's writing a letter to his brother, Theo. And he's got his cheap lined paper and his pencil, you know, and he's describing the scene that he can see from his window. So he's talking about the landscape and suddenly on the paper he says it's so beautiful i must show you how it looks so he draws this little crude drawing with his pencil on the in the letter and when i read that i thought whenever i'm creating something whether it's no matter what it is it's it's not about me it's about the love of what it is that's emerging or what can emerge and that shifted so much for me when I would think, oh, I, I'm afraid to do this because, and then I'd fill in the blank. But if it was doing it because I wanted to point to something that was so wonderful that I just had to share it, it was really clear that it wasn't about me. It was about this thing that wanted to come through, this thing that wanted to be birthed. Yeah, it's... Um when you when you can remove your attachment from the act of the creation you have a sense of freedom because you're no longer responsible for the outcome and that can allow even more creativity because you don't have the responsibility for it you can just allow things to happen and then allow other things to happen and I'm not saying that you're an irresponsible human being. I'm just saying, doesn't it feel a lot lighter when you don't have to be responsible for the outcome? You can yeah. just allow things to happen. It's not always easy for people to become unattached to things, and it's a practice. But the more that you can do it and allow things to show up, at least in what I have witnessed, um, better things than I ever imagined show up. Because yeah. I'm not holding on to what it's supposed to be or look like or how it's supposed to manifest itself. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience with the uh, Leadership Institute, or am I calling it uh, the wrong name? The Management Management Institute. Institute. Yeah. 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 Gladly. So um, there is now a program through the Saratoga County Chamber where I'm employed um, called the Saratoga County Institute of Management, and um, I'll, I'll share. I have a, a life philosophy that has um it's just really been helpful for me that if i am noticing or hearing or having conversations with three 
different people or three different avenues, if, if I hear the same message from three disparate avenues that comes at me from different ways, then usually it's, it would be very helpful if I pay attention to what this message is. And so a few years ago, I kept talking to members, business members who were saying we're, we're promoting our great people internally into management roles. And we have, they don't go to bed at night with a title change and wake up all of a sudden knowing how to manage people. And that managing people is a skill that you need to practice. It doesn't just, you know, because you've been doing this one particular sales job, let's say for 10 years, and then we make you manager of all of the salespeople, that you were good at sales, not necessarily managing people. So I um, reached out to more business people and said, is this true? What does the solution look like for you? What are your needs? Tell me what your people need. And it didn't really matter what the industry was and it didn't matter the size of the company, but everyone was saying the same thing. So, um, I guess that's how I use my creativity is I created a, a management training program so that we could help people better themselves in their new management, or maybe they've been in the management role for 20 years and then no one had given them training before, which is a sad state of affairs in itself. But um, so we just, it was sort of, okay, there's, we're hearing that there's this challenge. What might we create in order to assist people? And I didn't do it for me, right? It was that idea of allowing the creativity to come through. I wasn't taking the management program. So it was really fun because I got to gather information from all of these other people and find ways to kind of put it together and then say here so that they, they had a solution to their challenge. It's not painting, but it's my creation. Well, <clears throat> it's a creation and it sounds like because it wasn't about you you gave yourself permission to play play with the variables and I wonder if you could speak to the playing with the variables rather than following a series of techniques or steps to become a good manager and just giving somebody a list right. that you had pulled from your past experience and whatever management books you've read over the years. But you're taking a creative process. And I'd love to hear how you, how that, how you experienced it. Because it sounds like it was a very open-ended, show-me kind of experience. A lot of that was, yeah, a lot of that was. It was also asking people what would be the most meaningful for them. So what is the commitment that you want to give to your employee? What is it three months? Is it six months? Is it nine months? Is it a year? What's the most, you know, what makes the most sense for their time out of the office? What are the um, you know, different components that you need? And then the other part that I think is really important that sometimes people forget is just as much as the creation of the content is the validation of if it's actually helpful. So making sure that I was asking at each step of the way as participants were going through the various training sessions, evaluate the session. Tell me what had meaning for you. Tell me what resonated for you. Tell me what we didn't talk about on this particular topic that would have been helpful. So it, it allows that creative process to be ongoing and continual. It's not just, I've created this thing and now it exists and there it is and it's this blob on my desk, right? No, it needs to constantly be evolving so that you can continue to be creating because it, it never stops. And how would you, how would you suss out of what you just said um, how people can look at their own lives and <clears throat> make it a creative process? Asking questions I always go back to, I think is one of the best things that we can do, especially because in the asking of the question, we might give ourselves the freedom to recognize that just because we've done it this way or someone's instructed us that this is how it should be done or it's the instructions that I read on the manual or what have you, um, gives you the freedom to say, is there another way? Can I, can, I share, can I share a little story? Of course. So back when I lived in New York City, 
after I finished graduate school, I was a manager of a gallery on 57th Street. It was a small gallery. Um, the dealer who I worked for was a fourth generation dealer, and we specialized in um, secondary market masterworks. We had a few contemporary artists too, but um, he had purchased uh, at, at auction um, um, a sketchbook that had been, um, that belonged to Cezanne. And uh, we were, it had already been taken apart a few, few times, so we, we weren't defiling it in any way, but we had a number of folios from this sketchbook that we were going to make available for our clients and potentially for other dealers. And we had this lovely little gallery space and we were figuring out how to curate the exhibition. And one of the challenges is that this was a sketchbook. And as most artists would do, a page, like the coins, has two sides. So we are looking through all of these folios, the majority of which he had sketched on both sides. And we had thought our problem was, how do we pick, kind of like a record, the A side and the B side? How, how, how do we pick? You know, until we stopped and had the conversation and said, what is the challenge that we're actually looking at? Is it to figure out the A side and the B side? Or is it to figure out we, how can we share a two-sided visual in this dimension? And what we ended up coming up with working with our framer was we made a frame that was hinged. So as people came into the gallery to experience the work and see the exhibition, they were involved in the actual um, artwork itself as they were able to turn the frame and see both sides of the folio. And the, it was the neatest experiment to be part of because it was the moment when we realized that we were solving the wrong problem. And then it became really fun. So sometimes what we're looking at, we're looking to solve, fix, create a solution, what have you, and we maybe aren't considering the full scope of what we could be looking at. I love that. And just like the label of fear, mm -hmm. problem is a label. Right? Yeah, it's an opportunity, right? Speaking of which, I have this wonderful quote from a book by Steve Chandler called Creator. And I'll read it to you. It's not too long. Uh, my friend and life coach, Steve Hardison, used to ask me two questions over and over. When I described a problematic situation in my life, he would listen carefully and then say, okay, given that's the situation, what would you like to create? Notice it was not how do you want to solve it? As if the problem itself had all the power as if the problem were a bomb we had to carefully disarm. He never saw the problem as having the power in the situation. He always saw creativity as having all the power. And together, we didn't really have to solve anything. We didn't need to. What we created made the problems fade from all relevance. Mm. And I just, I, I just find that so exciting because it takes, the, it takes the pressure off. It puts the fun and the adventure of making something happen as the main focus, not, oh my God, look at this. How am I ever going to fix it, complete it, transform it? Right. And it's not to, it's not to shortchange the levity of the current situation that we are all facing as we sit here um, in what is still a global pandemic. But what it does mean, and, and no, none of us is going to create single-handedly a solution for, for where we sit right now, but what things can we create in our own lives that give us back the control of being the creator instead of allowing any challenges or problems that we're facing probably new ones as we sit in, at our, in our homes with our family members or maybe with, with you know, school children that we need to be teaching or what have you, where can we 
be creative in some of those challenges so that the problems or the challenges don't own us. They're not in charge. We still are. Yeah. That makes so much sense. So where do you think creativity comes from? Everyone has it. It's an energy, right? I think that people say that they're not creative or feel like they're not creative. Um, either have decided that that is true for them, right? And made their own barrier to their own creative energies. Or I think they haven't found their outlet yet. And creativity could be something I mean, it, it could be anything. It's, it's, it's the creation of. So it doesn't need to be traditional art. It doesn't need to be traditional music. It doesn't need to be traditional writing. And when I say traditional, I just mean by the words, right? Um, it could be something as simple as uh, you create educational programming that allows autistic kids to thrive. That's creativity. It could be... Um, you know, I created the management program, or you are able to look at a business challenge and see it in a way that's different than everyone else in the room is looking at it because they're only coming at it from what they've ever, always ever known instead of saying what else is possible. Like how else might this be something different? So I think the most important part of creativity is an openness because the energy is already there. Your ability is already there, whether you've told yourself it doesn't exist or not. It's there, it flows through you. The energy flows through you just like blood flows through your veins. It's a question of whether or not you're gonna be open and allow it to come in and go out and do whatever it wants to do, or if, it's, or if you're going to fight it or give yourself all sorts of, of mental stories that only slow down the energy and then it gets stuck in places and that's not right. And then we say, oh, I'm not creative. Right. But then the same people who say I'm not creative create these fantastic meals where they add unusual spices or add different ingredients in what's on the recipe. And they still say I'm not creative because in their mind it means something unattainable. You know, it's a similar phenomenon that happens with the word leadership that people think leadership is something to aspire to with some like, I'm a leader once I've accomplished X. And it's none of that's true. We get to be leaders in tiny little moments where we are able to do things for other people. And it's not this on high thing to be attained. It's the, and I wish people would celebrate those small leadership moments more often than just saying that it's, you know, someday I will be a leader and someday it will be over there. Well, what's stopping you today? Same thing yeah. with creativity. It's, you don't have to stop putting a label on it, right? Just allow it to exist. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think there's any value in, or in or do you have a way of priming the pump for creativity? Whew. That's a great question. Um, it's a really, I spend a lot of time trying to play an awareness. I don't know how helpful that is for an answer. Um, Sometimes it's nature definitely helps. Sometimes it's good to just be outside or go take a walk and experience some vitamin D and fresh air and, and hear birds. Um, that usually helps just sort of freeing energy and allowing things to move. And, and sometimes it's just um, start doing something creative, right? Start cooking or start reading. Sometimes it's just reading a book can be can be something that gets juices flowing. Or sometimes it's um, grabbing a cup of coffee with a friend and just sitting and, and sharing. Here's some, here's some wacky ideas that have been going through my head lately. And you never know where else that might take you, right? It was, 
it was the conversations that I was hearing about people needing management training over and over again that got my creative juices flowing to get the management training up and running, right? So sometimes conversation can be enough of a primer. Yeah. So I'm hearing a couple of things that you're saying. Uh, one is that when you're open, there's a lot more that comes to you. There's a lot more you can see. And how, how I think part of the process of creativity is giving ourselves permission to play. Even if it's a quote, serious topic, because really what's at stake? <laughs> yeah, why are you taking yourself so seriously? Yeah. Yeah. What are, what are you actually attached to? What do, what's your responsibility in this? I can remember, um, being in art class in like 10th grade, working on ceramics or something and feeling like, oh, this just, this isn't going to be successful. This isn't going to be good. And for whom? Well, why, why was I doing it, right? I was doing it for the love of creativity and for exercising. And I wish I could go back to my 16-year-old self and say, it doesn't matter. So, you know, this is not like you're going to create something that's going to become a family heirloom. You're in 10th grade for crying out loud. Just have fun. And I think um, taking ourselves so seriously about what it is that we create, you know, you're going to create stuff and it's, and then you, it's, you did it for the process of the creation, not because of the thing on the other side. Sometimes it's the best reason to create is simply just to allow yourself to do it. Just play and have fun because in that play, you might, you might discover something else you've never even thought of before. So true. Some people may have heard me tell this story, but uh, years ago when I was taking a collage class with this wonderful, wacky, brilliant woman, <clears throat> she'd shown us a new technique and I was a little uncomfortable with it. And she came around and, and I, was, I was showing her something and expressing some reservation about ruining it and she looked at me and for and didn't say anything for maybe three seconds and then she said it's only paper <laughs> <laughs> that put things into perspective because i thought it was all about me and it was really just about putting paint on a piece of paper <laughs> it just i just had to laugh at, oh right golly i'm in my own way once again Right, and you were making what you were creating so precious right. instead of allowing just the creative process to evolve. And look, if you make something and you think it's beautiful and you wanna frame it and hang it on your wall, that's fabulous. Right. And if you make something and then you hit it, hit it with a sander and the sander goes too far down and now you think it's ruined, okay, make something else. Like it's not, it, it, it's when we can allow ourselves to detach from outcomes and, um, we're so much more open to allowing other things to show up. Yeah. And I think that's really true across the board, not just in one project, but just in terms of how we live our lives. That openness and that noticing. I think when we're open, we notice a whole bunch more than I got to do this or it's got to look good or all these self-imposed limitations. Yeah, it has to go this way. Yeah. Why? Who says? Yeah. Right. Right. Who says? I had, an, I had an interesting conversation recently and I had, um, I was sharing information with someone and I had kind of thought through and uh, what, what this new information might um, unveil for all of us. And, and I, said, I said to my friend at the onset, in having thought through all of this, I personally see three options right now, but I want you to know that I am not attached to any one of these three options. And he said, okay, okay. And I said, here's options one, two, and three. And he said, I don't like three. And I said, okay, good. So let's talk about one and two. And we're talking and we're talking. And, we're and all of a sudden he said, what if there's option four? And I was like, exactly why I told you that I wasn't going to be attached to options one, two, and three. What have you got? And as we talked through it, option four is something I had never considered, never would have come up with on my own, and was so much better than anything else. Mm. Great story. Yeah, you just never know. You just never know. 
So what we would like to do is open the conversation up to those of you who are in the peanut gallery, the proverbial peanut gallery. And if anyone has any questions for Kathleen about how things look in terms of creativity or just anything you want to know about this conversation. Or uh, for Nina too. Yeah, I'll jump in. It's nice to see so many of your faces. Yeah. A lot of I don't have a ones. question. I just have, I guess, um, I can just relate to all of you in this whole conversation about not being attached to different outcomes. I think it's particularly relevant right now, right? Because we can't control what's happening tomorrow or even the day after. You I mean, for somebody who loves planning and planning vacations and planning getaways, this has been incredibly challenging. You know, being unemployed is challenging. Not knowing where your money is coming from is challenging. Um, having an idea in my head yesterday, I literally spent six hours working on a job application. I mean, I poured my heart and soul into this thing. I secured two letters of recommendation, which I wrote myself because you know how people are with the letters of recommendation. Nobody has time. So I'm like, okay, I'll make it easy. I mean, I wrote a cover letter to perfection. And in my mind, I was like, there's no way that, that I won't at least get an interview. I mean, there's no way. And literally one day, it wasn't even an entire day, I got an email, an automated email from the HR department saying, thank you, but the search committee um, decided not to pursue your application or whatever. Ooh. I'm thinking to myself, I put out positive vibes into the universe. Like, why? Why is this not happening my way? But that's just exactly it. And I, I told my boyfriend this morning, I said, you know, what is the point? Why even bother? applying to anything because it's the likelihood of getting a job in this environment right now is like zero. But he said, because you never know. <laughs> I mean, you never know. That's why we continue doing what we're doing. Right. But it just yeah. resonates so much with me and the creative process, by the way, I mean, whether you're writing a cover letter or you're writing yourself a letter of recommendation, which is a whole nother process. Or, um, I think I shared with you, Nina, when I was 16, I had big dreams of becoming a singer. And I skipped school. I don't think I ever told my parents that. I skipped school and I jumped on a train to Cologne, the city of Cologne. I grew up in Germany. And I went to this MTV search for the next superstar. And I, I went on, this, on stage and I started singing and I had rehearsed the song for like months. And all, all of a sudden I just like, I blanked. I couldn't remember the words. I just, I froze. They booed me off stage and I oh. never... I never went back on stage again. I'm going, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm heading near 40 now. And I literally have tried on and off to get on stage, but it's this, this limiting paradigm in my, in my brain that tells me that I was horrible at this and I should probably just give up and never try again. But it's, it's stuck with me throughout my adulthood. I've dabbled here and there. I actually, I got to a point where I, um, I actually recorded a demo and submitted it to a search committee and it was fun and I enjoyed it and whatever, but I'm kind of jumping around here, but we talked about creativity and kind of the stories we tell ourselves, you know, whether we're um, good at something or not good at something and the process of just letting go and not being attached to the outcome and just seeing what happens is something that I, I've always known, but it's like, you have to be reminded, right? Almost on a daily basis. So there you have it. <laughs> and I, thanks, Gwen. Thanks for that. And um, when, when this, ch even now, I will come and sit socially distant six feet from you and cheer you on until my throat hurts if you want to get in front of an audience and sing. Because once you get past that, I think that fear will go away. But to, yeah. your, to your point and to your boyfriend's point, while I think it's really important to be open and I think it's really important to be aware of your surroundings, you also can't just sit on your couch and expect <laughs> wonderful things to show up for us. We have to participate in our own lives. And, and put ourselves in positions where we can have access to new possibilities, even if it means they come back in less than 24 hours and say the search committee has passed. The good news <laughs> is you, you now have two killer reference letters that you can use again in the future. Well, <laughs> it's for that specific job, but yeah. <laughs> you can tweak them. You can tweak them. That's true, but it's so infuriating. But I mean, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> You just have to show up. Yes. Yeah. You know, we have so much on 
what we do. You know, we have so much on it. There's so much pressure we put on ourselves when we create something because we think that we know what the outcome should be as a result of it. And we never know. All we can do is point ourselves in the direction and go with whatever flow is taking us. And we don't know how it will end up. Yeah. But you're going to get really skilled at writing those kinds of <laughs> yeah. resumes and, and recommendations. Oh if you know anybody who needs my services, let me know. <laughs> I, I will say too, Gwen, and, and to anyone on the call, um, it's so much easier said than done, but there are more than a handful of times in my life that I can look backwards and realized that when I stopped trying to manage the outcome and was able to let go and just be open, things got so much easier. And at the same time, I can say a lot of times in my life that I can look back on and say, why couldn't I just let go? Like things could have happened faster. Things might have shown up sooner. Things, lessons could have been learned without having to repeat the same thing, if I could stop trying to force a specific outcome. Because first of all, why would I put that level of responsibility on myself? Do I actually think I'm really in control of everything in the world that happens to me? No, I'm responsible for my actions. I'm responsible for what I say and how I behave and what I do, but I'm certainly not responsible for anything that comes at me. And that would be a huge, heavy lift if that were true. That would be a horrible way to go through the world. And yet a lot of times that's how people perceive the world. And they think that it's up to them to manage all this stuff. Put I think stuff the down. Part, though, I think the tough part is uh, understanding the difference between hope and expectations. It's like, oh my gosh, I just opened my pool, right? And I have, I'm deathly afraid of animals drowning in this pool just personal story. I won't get into it, but something traumatizing happened. And ever since then, I pray every night, please, dear God, don't let any animals drown in my pool. And I have this hope and this, you know, I'm like sending out positive vibes into the universe. I'm praying. I'm like, okay, I'm doing my part. And yet every other morning I find a chipmunk or a mouse or, you know, a, a squirrel of some sort. And it just makes me want to cry. And then yet, you know, there's, there's the hope that like, you know, maybe I wake up one morning and everything's fine and the pool's okay. And there's, you know, no animals in there this one time. But then where's, there's a fine line between hope and expectation. The same is with the creative process too. You're putting in, you know, your heart and soul into something and you want to succeed. You know, you have the hope that it'll go well, but then, you know, it's, it's hard not to, not to give up on that. It's, it's hard not to have expectations when you've worked really hard. I know it's talking about creativity. I'm kind of veering all over the place, but you get what I'm saying. I think that's what gets in the, in the way, right, of, of um, being able to do things because it feels like the, the best next thing to do. When I start to attach, and that means I am going to get, have, be, do something, that's when I get into trouble because I don't know where it'll take me. Yeah. I I get things in my pool all the time too that I just weren't <laughs> right. in there. And yet all we can do is whatever occurs to us in the moment. And then it's not our job. We do whatever we can to make something happen. And then whether it does, it's not up to us. Yeah. When unless you put a cover over your pool every minute of the day when you are not in it, it's not your responsible if your responsibility if a squirrel decides to take a dip and then doesn't get out. I know. Sorry. That was maybe a bad thing to mention. This is kind of. No, no. <laughs> okay, fine. though. Anyway. Thank you. Thanks, Gwen. I'm, I'm uh, loving the conversation. And Kathleen, I love how you began um, expanding the concept of creativity. Uh, because I'm not an artist and I'm not a dancer and I'm not a musician, but I've always surrounded myself and been attracted to that in my life. And people have often come to me and saying, oh, are you a dancer or are you a musician or are you an artist? And part of it is my sensibility, 
but um, I've always kind of shirked away and not seen myself as creative. And now I have a four-year-old and an eight-year-old granddaughter and I'm, I'm like so creative because I can let go with them. And if my granddaughter says, you know, will you help me break, make a fairy house, but I need white feathers and uh, five brown stones and twigs and we have to do it in this location. I'm like, absolutely, let's go for it, you know? So it's that freedom and letting my own inner children out, which I couldn't at the time when I was a little kid, you know? Um, so that's one thing that comes to me. So thank you, I love that opening. And then when you were talking, Gwen, one of my favorite paintings is in the Met. It's, it's called Madame X. And you can see her when you're walking down a long hall. It's a woman with white skin and a black strapless gown. And it's by John Singer Sargent, great American portraitist. When he painted that, he painted a strap falling off her shoulder. And it, it, was, and it, was, in, it was a Parisian socialite. He, it created scandal. And he had to leave France. <laughs> And he went to England because it was the only place he could escape to. And he had to restart his career. And some of his greatest works happened. But he was scandalized. He was asked to leave the salon. It was a whole big deal. And there's actually a book about it. Wow. Just that one painting called Strapless. So it just came to my mind when you were talking about this perceived failure this morning. Yes. That, you know, it's, it hurts, but there's something on the other end of it, not because I'm saying that, but because everything changes and moves. And you never know what you learn from it, right? And where one tiny little thing may lead to, right? To your point, Kathleen, you were saying, you know, maybe you become an expert in, in letters and you have a new letter of recommendation you use for another job. I mean, you never know, right? Yeah, thanks for sharing. That's a nice uh, Yeah, nice but also I found that sometimes when we have these huge disappointments, it brought you back to that singing uh, in Cologne and being, but, but maybe that needs to come up, right? Not to analyze everything we do, but for me, I know I had to make a video recently and it brought up all kinds of stuff, you know, and I hated doing it and I hated <laughs> it. And I thought it was awful. And then people were saying like, that's fantastic. But it brought up stuff for me as well. In third grade, I was the champion speller in my school. And I went to represent my school in the whole part of lower Manhattan. And I completely froze on the first word. Oh, no. <laughs> my family was there, the whole community, the principal. Oh. And I was like, boom, done, first round. <laughs> So when I did this video, I was like, oh, I remember my major trauma in third grade, you know? And yeah, it's so wild it. how your brain just brings you right back to that moment. And yet, I think the wonderful thing is that we don't have to let that experience dominate who we are now. Exactly. Right? We know we had it. It was pretty ouchy at the moment. But who you are now is completely different person. The opportunities are different. What you know is different. The richness of your life is all contributing to, as Kathleen would say, what else is possible and what you can create. Like the, uh, the limiting paradigms, right? It's the, the stories that we tell ourselves, either we, because we told ourselves that or somebody else told them about us and we started internalizing and believing them. But then if you really deconstruct them and un unravel them, you realize they're not even serving you anymore. Maybe they served you for a moment. And even then, maybe they didn't serve you at all to begin with, but we just hold on to them, right? And it actually does inhibit our creative process. Because just think of all of the things we could do and accomplish if only we believed in our own abilities. Yeah. Kathleen? Yeah, I think um, to, to that point, it's a, a couple of things. The first is I've often had conversations with people who have been told something from someone else and they've decided to let it come in. The first is who's the messenger, right? Sometimes um, people who do not have our best interests in, in their hearts like to tell us things and for us to then believe, believe them is um, self-sabotage, right? 
And the other really cool thing that I've, that I believe that's been really freeing is that the stories and the thoughts that exist in here aren't actually true. They're just thoughts. So Gwen might have thought that she was a horrible singer on stage, but that is a thought based on an experience that happened, what did we say? 20 30, oh my God, 30, I'm not even that old. A few years ago. ago. A few years ago, a few <laughs> years ago. I actually just had this conversation with someone yesterday who was having a really hard time letting go of some things that had happened in the past. What I said to him was, um, there, there is no change in the fact that those things happened. That is just a, a reality. But the one thing you do have control over is whether or not you feel you want to keep replaying that story and that experience in your head over and over again. The only person who has the control on that one is you. And since it sounds to me like that really doesn't feel very good, why do you keep doing it? Right. And that also limits our creativity. Big time. It's part of the barriers we construct for ourselves. Yeah. By and the way, those barriers, they're made out of construction paper and they're really, really floppy. So you can yeah. pull them over. Yeah. I think that's one thing that we, you're right, that really gets in the way of creativity because we think that those thoughts that we're having are going to protect us from uh, being hurt. But all they do is limit us. And if you just, if you just sense the feeling quality of those thoughts, you know, you can't, you shouldn't, don't, they all are limiting. They're all, they all feel very restricted and constricted and squished instead of your question, what if, which completely opens up our possibilities and says, okay, so what, who cares? It didn't work, big deal. We've got right now and what we have everything we need right now to create something that's fun. Instead of seeing a problem to be solved that's in our head, it's what do we wanna create? The other thing that I think is really helpful um, is recognizing the um, fleeting reality that is choice. I think sometimes we get in situations and we choose something and we think because of that choice, we are committed to whatever. But the cool thing about choice is that once you make a choice, that choice has been made and then you get to make another one. And then you get to make another one. And then you get to make another one. So nothing with the exception of death, and I might even question that, no choice is final, right? We get to make another one after that. So if we have chosen to tell ourselves that we can't be creative, that moment has now come and gone, and now we get another choice of what to tell ourselves. That's a great point, Kathleen. I like really that. Good point. Really good point, because some people, I myself, have, we get stuck, we, we, we make a choice and we think, okay, that's done, final, I have to stick by it because that's keeping my word or something. And no, make another choice. Yeah. Yes, choose something else for dinner. Mm -hmm. Recognize this friendship no longer works. Get out of a, choose a different career because you've been beating your head about whatever it is you've been doing. Choose to plant a garden because you've never done it and then choose to go to the farmer's market instead. Whatever, it doesn't matter. You just, you get to make another choice. Beautiful. I love that because don't we all tell ourselves terrible things and we think that's it, period, paragraph, forever. It's gonna be that way, but how silly and not necessary. When you were saying, um, in the very beginning, you started your sentences and you said yet at the end. The other thing that I like to tell myself is for now, because when situations seem so desperate and you just can't see a way out of it, like whether you don't know how to pay your rent or your mortgage the next you know, month or your utility bill, or how are we ever going to get out of this coronavirus situation or the economy or whatever, you know, it's like that for now. It doesn't mean that it'll be this way forever. 
with whatever situation you're going through and whatever, you know, emotions you might be feeling. And even if everything seems so horrendous and awful, it's, it's really just a temporary thing. It's, it's like that for now. And somebody told me that a long time ago, and it really helped me gain some perspective because it's very easy to get into a downward spiral, you know? It is, yeah. And can, can um, may I offer you to consider one slight change in wording? Sure. If you went from for now to right now, it becomes this pinpoint in time instead of for now. I like that. Ooh. Right now is... Okay, I, I will go with that. Something to consider. <laughs> Jean, I think you were trying to say something too. Well, I was going to say, I have a, a friend who's a writer and she has a different approach to writing. She's a, she insists that there is no such thing as writer's block, um, that she writes uh, and that the only way to write is to write and sit down and write. And she spends a lot of time talking about how you have to just write. You have to sit down and write. And that, first draft can be shitty. It's okay. It's just, you have to do it in order to keep doing it. And talking about block doesn't do anything except keep you from writing. Um, so interesting because I think that could be used regardless of what kind of creativity you want to talk about. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's another example of what Nina was talking about with the collage teacher who said, you know, we don't need to be so precious. It's just paper. Her first draft can be shit and that's fine. But she has a first draft instead of someone who is sitting at home making up the story about their writer's block. At least she has something from which to continue to create instead of putting the barrier and stifling the, the process by, by the way, giving it a label of writer's block. Mm -hmm. And a timeline, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Because if I didn't have a timeline on something I wanted to create, I wouldn't say there's anything blocking it. I would just go with the flow and when the flow ebbed out, I would let it go out and then come back in again. But putting a time limit on it can really mess things up. Mm -hmm. Love so your what, what you're really talking about is being aware of the story you're telling yourself and then realizing you can change that. Just a story. It's just a story. Like this happened when I was six and that happened when I was nine and then they said that to me. Okay, it happened. Acknowledge, deal with the emotions. But, but I'm here now, like that pinpoint you said, Kathleen. Right now, I'm here. Right. That happened, yes. And now what would you like to create? Yeah. What else is possible? Yeah. Right now. <laughs> right now. Right now. <laughs> That's right. We are coming up to the top of the hour. And Kathleen, I want to thank you so much for joining in this conversation because you're just such a shining light. Is there any last thought that you'd like to share with us before we close today. Closing thought. Um, I hadn't, hadn't really thought of one, but I, I guess I would just encourage all of you if, if, so Nina, to your point of creativity, if any of what we've talked about over the last hour is something new, or if it's something that you've considered before, I would encourage you to, to spend some time playing with these ideas, right? We're, we've all got time, like we didn't have time before. And so why not use it to play and create more creation in our lives and um, encourage your own personal awareness of your limitations and your, and your barriers. And for those of you who are not at home singularly, but are at home with other loved ones or roommates or what have you, um, see if you can find gentle ways to share some of this with some of them because it might be helpful at a time where a lot of people are um, feeling some mental challenges in ways that they haven't ever been put in situations before. Mm -hmm. And maybe ask them what else is possible. Ask them if that's a block mm -hmm. or if that's true. And then ask them to create something with you. Beautiful. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for thank having me. Thank you all for joining us. Yes. Yes, indeed. Thanks and for the conversation. Thank you. 
And we'll be doing this again next Friday at one o'clock with another creative genius. And we hope to see you then.